0: Welcome to
1: the Religion and Story podcast. On this week's episode, we are going to be talking about the topic of social justice. What does it mean? What did it mean in biblical times? And how does that affect the way we see it today? Social justice is one of those topics that gets thrown around a lot, but sometimes we might not be familiar with all of the things that scripture has to say about it, and scripture has to say a lot. So, Daniel, I'm going to throw it over to you, can you start us off by defining what exactly is social justice?
2: Well, I think I've seen that the technical definition of social justice has to do with uh, just distribution of wealth, opportunity, privilege, stuff like that within a society. Um, uh, Perhaps another way of saying that would be to differentiate it from justice- uh, legal justice, justice we might observe in a courtroom, and say it's uh, the justice that permeates society, um, though certainly the government has tried to make a more socially just society. Uh, normally when I hear the term social justice, it generally has to do with uh, ideals that are usually associated with the left, um, with the political left. Uh, and that would include civil rights and welfare often. So that sort of economic, uh, social justice. Um, that's, I don't know if that that's right, but that's often what I've heard it associated with. Stephen, is there any other elements of social justice that you can think of that you hear it associated with, or just a different definition worth operating under?
0: Um, not to necessarily be confused with civil rights, but they are very intertwined and really can be one for one exchange. Um, but just race relations and making sure that there's equal treatment for people. Uh, gender is also another one that is a very hot topic recently, making sure that people are having equal pay, things like that, uh, and just equal treatment. Or whatever scenario that you can come up with. Um, one that I think we won't spend too much time on is um, sexual uh, uh, preferences. That one is uh, at least a secular term or usage of what social justice is trying to encaps- encapsulate as well. Uh, but for from a scriptural standpoint, mainly, I, I think that you can. Uh, pin down a lot of good points for race relations and things like
2: that. Michael, you probably read the most on social justice. Is there um, an understanding of it that you're coming to the conversation with?
1: Sure. So I, I would say that social justice is an idea that is embedded in the idea of the way that governments should function. Um, from the very beginning, uh, God has called his people to justice and righteousness. That part of being righteous, part of being uh, a part of loving your neighbor is being just in the way that we treat other people. And that is not only in individual relationships, but also in the way that collective groups, nations, governments, etc, how they deal with individuals. Though, so in order to have social justice, We're thinking about these larger relationships that people have. Um, So court systems, uh, financial transactions, those are things that go back thousands of years. Uh, Coming forward to today, we could think about uh, education. Uh, We could think about uh, prison. Uh, We could think about the different reasons why you might mistreat someone and wanting equal justice there. Um, But uh, I guess one of the things that we'll get into is how the the Bible defines it and what the Bible thinks about as, as important all of that to say that the, the, the definition of social justice I think has biblical roots to it so from a Christian perspective we should own this message it, it should be something where we have something to say and uh, we're not bystanders in these conversations so, um, let, let me uh, let me Introduce that question again, then, about what does the Bible have to say about it? Um, l- let me let me give one one line here uh, about it, and then I'll I'll toss it over to y'all. So the very first time that the Bible talks about justice is in Genesis chapter eighteen, verse nineteen, um, where God says to Abraham, uh, He says, "For I have singled him out that he may instruct his children and his posterity to keep the way of Yahweh." By performing righteousness and justice. So God in his calling of his people, the one who would be the father of many nations, from the beginning, justice, righteousness is part of that calling. And it continues throughout Scripture to where it's intertwined both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Um, Guys, let me me throw it open. Uh, What are some places in Scripture or ideas that permeate scripture that are important for social justice?
0: Well, the scripture that you first offered here is not necessarily specific to social justice, but just justice in general. And if you look at the nature of God and just how uh, our relationship with God is defined, at least in the finite terms that we can explain it within, is that uh, the consequences of sin is death. And so for every action that we have here on earth, there is going to be a, a, a consequence that goes along with it, either good or bad. And so we need to uh, keep that in mind when we're talking about the justice that God calls from uh, his creation. And so that we will have to give an accounting for what we do here on earth. Uh, as far as social justice goes, a few scriptures that come to mind to me, and, and I don't know how much you guys want to get into this, but the the radicalness of Jesus's ministry about what we are called to do as far as justice is concerned, because we see the law and all the um, all the guidelines that God has given us for moral law and other uh, types of law for uh, hygiene and things like that that God has. Has given his people, and then how Christ comes and uh, takes it that much further in His teachings. Uh, you can see it in the story of the uh, the merciful. I'm I'm drawing a blank on what the actual title of the story calls. Where the man had, was a debt of ten thousand talents, it's forgiven of him, and then he goes out and he uh, tries to recall a debt that is much smaller and ends up getting thrown in prison, and so. Uh, just keeping into perspective the the debt that we are owed to God and he's forgiven us um, based upon the relationship that we have and obviously we're called to repent. But it's that sort of justice that becomes the word I'm going to use again is radical. It's a radical uh, type of justice or action that Christ has called us to in reference to the justice that is demanded of us. Um,
2: Stephen, I, I like that you brought up that particular parable. Um, you're, you're making me think of a lot of different stuff and I'm sure I'm going to forget half of it before I get to it. Um, but the first thing is that, yeah, the Bible, when it's talking about justice, it's normally talking about, uh, what we might actually associate more with grace. Um, something that's really Maybe not fair. It's uh, in that it's so merciful or giving what someone does not deserve it, in the positive way. Because um, uh, I, I think of that in the New Testament and that form of justice. Uh, when I'm thinking of justice, that's probably more akin to the governmental social justice that this conversation is dealing with. I think of, of course, in the Old Testament, the different legislation that's put um, or the different. Instructions that are put forth in the Pentateuch for taking care of the poor and the marginalized in Israel's society. God lays out um, alongside his instructions regarding sacrifices and about worship. He'll also throw in instruction about uh, leaving a portion of your crops for the poor to be able to harvest for themselves. Uh, And that's a huge part of the story of Ruth that a lot of us are familiar with. So it's this just giving away of things, things that someone has not really um, earned through their work. Now, I think that's interesting, and I want y'all to respond to this, because uh, a lot of the time, or really, uh, maybe in a technical sense, justice Uh, or righteousness, which in the Bible, Stephen, you're um, familiar with this. Those words are pretty similar and sometimes can even be translated um, as uh, one or the other. That This idea of justice normally has to do with um, fairness and with people getting what they deserve. Uh, So you might think of lex talionis, this uh, eye for an eye sort of rule that you do something bad, I'm not supposed to do something worse to you, but I can do something equally bad to you, an eye for an eye, um, which, of course, in the New Testament, that gets um, reworked a little bit. Uh, and then that's often juxtaposed or contrasted with uh, grace, giving not giving someone what they've earned rightfully, but giving them something better. So if someone earned themselves a punishment by uh, harming my eye, I don't take their eye. In fact, I just let it go. I give them something better than what they've um, earned. And that is two ideas of justice, not only in the Bible, but also in modern uh, philosophical and political conversation that uh, is justice supposed to be something where we we are working towards uh, fairness in Methodology, or are we supposed to arrive at fairness and outcome, um, equal outcome, or, uh, do we just sort of go beyond that understanding of justice altogether and move towards grace? So there's a lot of ideas I've thrown out there, guys. What what do y'all think about that? What is justice supposed to look like? Yeah,
0: I'm interested in what Michael has to say about equal outcome versus equal opportunity.
1: Sure. Um well and let let me go back a little bit and talk talk about some of the the scriptural precursors. Yeah. Please. Um so 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 justice in the Pentateuch is is God setting up a law is is God establishing here's what justice should look like. And the way it relates to the, the next the histories as as the Israelites go in to conquer they are taking out countries that are specifically said you, you are destroying them because they are unjust because their actions have gone against this justice and righteousness. Uh, now Israel proves again and again that they are not the worthy successors that God wants them to be, but he is working on them to establish that. And so when Israel finally, finally does establish a monarchy, the one job that they get is that, uh, that God says that they, that the king, that the government is responsible for justice and righteousness. And after hundreds of years and dozens and dozens of tries, after the kings continually prove themselves to be incompetent on carrying out justice and righteousness, we see the major prophets, the minor prophets, who the, each one has the same, same, same theme of y'all have done a poor job with justice. You have treated the poor uh, unfairly. You have uh, separated uh, your your living into different classes of people, and uh, it, it shows that you are not concerned with the justice of God. All of that leading forward to, as Stephen and Daniel, you all both brilliantly outlined, that Jesus's views of justice are radical compared to um, the the notions of justice that had uh, that had preceded him, I'd like to think that God the Father and, and God the Son always had this radical view, but it was per- most perfectly expressed in the person of Jesus. Um, so um, as we get as we we're coming forward and we're seeing how the church plays into these ideas, um, I, I would say that there are two different ways of looking at this justice question so within the church i would say that um that the justice of outcome um looking at the the outcomes that people have and and wanting people to to share and share alike is something that is a goal of the church Um, I, perhaps I'm not radical enough in you know sharing income within the modern church but there uh, there shouldn't be a means test to be a part of a church uh there should be a willingness to to share resources physical resources with those in our midst uh, I I think that that's a fairly clear example from the New Testament church but certainly when it comes to uh a quality of um what, sorry, not a quality of outcome, but a quality of, uh, opportunity. opportunity. Thank you. Uh, that is something that is seen as, um, as a, as a law that goes beyond the church. That is something that is not just a people of God comment, but is something that should be a common grace that all people experience. Um, even those who would not call themselves part of the Judeo-Christian line, would recognize that uh, equality of opportunity uh, is something that we want all people to have. So um, I think that that is a minimum bar for what God wants for all people, but equality of outcomes is something that a, a small community of churchgoers
0: can strive for. Well, I mean, I don't know if we want to get into this at all. Uh, I think it would be an entirely... Separate podcast, but you said, um, the opportunity or equal opportunity is something that even religious groups that were not Judeo-Christian would accept. And I think we're quick to identify gender roles are not the same across all schools of thought, uh, certainly different from, uh, most Christian groups to, uh, Muslim groups where uh, women are taken out of a lot, a lot of opportunities just for their gender, and uh, which is again, that's why I mentioned it before. That that is something that is changing very rapidly. Um, do you all have any comments regarding that? Of where what what does the Bible say um, should be expected as far as gender roles are concerned and social justice? Oh, I should have
2: comments and thoughts for that.
0: Um I feel like we're missing somebody of the opposite gender in our podcast. So that's not Maybe. our fault. There were no Crouch sisters, no Crouch sisters. There are Crouch wives. We could bring them in. It yeah. uh, could be a,
2: a different podcast, the Crouch wives.
0: Um, so just something to ponder on. We don't have to get into it. Uh So Michael, well,
2: back to that after we, um, yeah, let's let's leave that for the modern
0: uh, implications of
1: of I what justice. Means.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I yeah, I do want to. So, are we good? Do you think to follow up on this opportunity and outcome discussion, or do you all want to say more about justice in scripture? Um, so, uh, yeah, regarding uh, opportunity and outcome. And M- Michael, so you've already given us a distinction. Stephen, you, you mentioned it. This, uh, that we're saving out, um, equality to outcome is something that the church desires for itself. But then beyond that, for just the world, um, we, uh, we have this com sort of middle ground of equality of opportunity. Much like we can all agree murder is wrong. And so we can legislate about that. Um, we can agree, okay, we want equality of Opportunity. Um, I think really equality of opportunity, and I hope I don't lose anyone here, uh, is really reflective of this higher equality of outcome that we started with in the church. When we say um, we want equality of outcome in the church, really what we're saying is there are certain things, um, certain loftier things that we want everyone to have. Um, and uh, those include um a r- relationship with god um uh, a sal- salvation from a broken world uh and some other ideas including uh, freedom we want freedom for people as a god given uh gift and so uh equality of opportunity is just another way of saying we want the the outcome of freedom for everyone. Now beyond that, um, and where how this gets into sort of modern issues, is uh equality of outcome is sometimes used to refer to uh like jobs. Um that's a that's a how this is often brought up that um just as many um men should be Doctors as women, and since they're roughly 50 50, there should be 50% women doctors, 50%
0: men doctors.
2: Um, And I don't really know the research on that, but I do know that with some of these uh, discussions, there are questions about what do people want to do, um, or what are people told that they should want to do. Um, And so Whenever a quality of outcome is not totally reached in any particular field there um, people say there there's a problem. but what I would hold to is that some things we don't need quality of outcome um there we don't need uh quality of outcome in the uh job of uh or in violinists in orchestras across the world or in doctors or in any sort of profession. But what we are wanting quality of outcome in is uh, that everyone is free um, to make their decisions as they want without um, sort of without any sort of outside pressure to be uh, a certain thing. Again, speaking of professions here.
0: right? Um, we so that, yeah, we can agree that gender bias is not good. You should be paid for what you're worth. And just because, your one gender versus another um, I mean obviously if the job is lifting uh, weight, a man is going to be more qualified just due to the nature of how he was created. Um, now, I was going to say if we're dealing specifically with economic uh, outcome, we know just based upon what God has told us in Scripture that there are those that are uh, less fortunate, and did not get the best lot in life. And to paraphrase uh, Ebenezer Scrooge McDuck, um, where he says, uh, if I gave you money, uh, then there wouldn't be any more poor people, and for me to put you out of a job on Christmas Eve, don't ask me to do that. Now, now is that this this skewed logic that we want to do, where we want everybody to have the exact same thing? Do we want to make other people rich? Or are we wanting to make everybody the exact same middle class? If we did balance out the income across everyone, where would we all actually end up? Um, and so that is something to consider. It's obviously a, a skewed type of logic. But um, we know that there are going to be people that are less fortunate, and we should take care of those, give uh, those people what they need, and not necessarily just set them up financially for life.
2: Michael's the economist here, and so he can tell me I'm wrong, but I, I think in addressing what you're saying, Stephen, that, um, it, perhaps in the here and now, in in 2019 or 2020, in the foreseeable future, that you can't arrive at that sort of economic equality of everyone being a, a sort of middle class, um, evening it out, um, without uh, breaking some other sort of higher virtue freedom uh, in some way. But ultimately, that is what we want. Um, in a theoretical utopia um, in heaven, uh, or heaven come to earth, that is what there would be. Uh, I can't envision a, a heavenly existence where there's still a an upper class and a middle class. Um, where there's some with more than others.
0: Uh, well, it's because there's no material possessions to need right. at that point.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so, exactly. so a, a utopia is a place without scarcity and this side of heaven that, that can't exist.
0: No, that's, so,
2: well, yes and no, but I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I think again in the, in the theoretical, in the, in the uh eschaton in the end um whether that is in of some sort of physical reality or in a heavenly reality or whatever doesn't really matter for this discussion is that yes the ultimate goal is for there not to be scarcity and there not to be a difference in possession whether that means there's no possessions sure um but i think in you no know, way could you argue that there's something good about someone having more than someone else having? So I,
1: I, I would argue that, uh, I'm, and I don't think I'm being difficult in saying that. Um, so th- th- there's a lot for us to talk about here. Um, so let, let me start off by saying that uh, first first and foremost, God created people with different abilities. So let's remove bias. Let's remove uh, genetic, uh, well, we can't really remove genetic predisposition remove that. Uh, just because that's how I got my abilities. But let's just, you know, uh, let's just going back as far as we can. We always see that God creates people differently. Uh, let's go back to Jacob and Esau.
0: That one was good at one thing. Argument could best be summed up by just saying economic equality is an outcome equality, not an opportunity equality. Um. So, because if everybody had the same, if if we woke up tomorrow and everybody had the exact same dollar amount in their bank account, some people are going to blow it, and some people are going to use it wisely, and that creates a new outcome. And do we then the next day you wake up again and the incomes are still in the same spot and every day it just resets groundhog day or something like that
2: yeah well I, so so i, I version. is that yes it is always just reset because there's no scarcity but sorry go ahead michael
1: Okay. Well, and I also don't think that there's going to be monetary policy in heaven. Uh, you know, there, this idea of resource need for resources is a foreign concept on that side. This side of heaven, Stephen, I, I agree with what you were saying, that even if people had the same types of resources, you know, we woke up and everyone had the same money in their bank account. People have different risk preferences. They have different uh, entrepreneurial spirits and it would quickly go away from that uh, stable, uh, stable core that it was created at. So I, I would say that this is the world that God created, and God does not want a bunch of automatons that are exactly the same in these ways. Uh, God created us with different skills, different desires, um, and the skill and desire to create more wealth, uh, to create more prosperity, is not a bad thing. Um, so the equality of outcomes is not something that is desirable if we're wanting to reward those who create prosperity. Really, one more really quick thing I promise you know, on this topic and we can, uh, or I'll, I'll at least stop for now. Um, if you go back 200 years ago, pre-industrial revolution, the average Income of the richest nation on the face of the planet uh, was lower than what we would consider um, second uh, or outside of the OECD countries. So what I mean there is poorer countries now, uh, maybe not the poorest countries, but uh, think about Central American countries. Their average income on on what is able what it is able to purchase is higher today. Than the richest people 200 years ago. Um, so when we think about equality, we don't just think about it here and now, although politically that's what people want us to think about. We have to think about what has happened over the span of time. Um, anyway, I feel like we've escaped a little bit from from what we were trying to say. But opportunity of um, excuse me, equality of opportunity is something that everybody wants and is, should be the desire of those who seek justice and righteousness. Uh, equality of outcome, unless and, and narrowly defined, which Daniel, you were doing earlier, defining it very narrowly within the church is something to be desired. But when you get to resources, it just, it falls apart pretty quickly.
2: I'm fine with that. Uh, not to, uh, Uh, sold on what I was saying earlier anyway. Um, Are there other elements of social justice, though, besides this uh, equality of outcome and opportunity discussion that uh, the the church needs to be offering to the world? Um, I think certainly grace that we brought up
0: earlier is a big part of it. What do you think, Ian? I was thinking this one slightly relates to... uh, the economic uh well-being of somebody but uh for example those like i said we know that there are people that are born with a, a worse lot in life than others and the go-to example for me is those who grow up without a, a father figure in their house um how can the church cater to those individuals that are already um uh, Behind a step than those who are, that do grow, grow up in a house of father figure, just statistically. Not saying that single mothers can't get it done because they can and they do. We see plenty of examples of that. But, uh, for those who do have it worse off than, um, others, how is the church stepping in to help those individuals and those without father figures as just one of thousands of examples that you could come up with about those that need help. Um, somebody who was abused, uh, uh, somebody who has a predisposition to uh, being addicted to whatever it is that they're addicted to. Um, the church has plenty of opportunities to help those that are less fortunate, that are not necessarily uh, uh, economic factors.
2: Yes. Yeah. And I appreciate that, Stephen, because, uh, we, uh, the three of us probably like talking about economics more than our listeners do, um, and that sort of abstract thing. But you're exactly right that that is the main concern for social justice in the church is to realize that one of the priorities of the Christian community is to look out for those within its uh, community and those who are beyond its uh boundaries that uh, this prevailing message throughout the old Testament and certainly in the ministry of Jesus is that we look for those people, like you said, Stephen, uh, who are disadvantaged, um, who, who weren't given uh, a great lot in life and we seek to help them. Um, and that's, then that's the, 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 the challenge that's given to the church is all, what are all the creative ways that you can find these people and help these people? Because like you said, there are thousands of ways that people are disadvantaged. Some are more substantial than others and you name some of the big ones. Um, and so it's our duty to locate what are these problems and to help them. Um, and too often I think our um, church uh, budgets obviously, but even beyond that, our emphasis in the church community goes to other places, Um, or sometimes places that are important, but uh, disproportionate emphasis is given to some idea, like uh, missions, Um, something that really, if you were just to weigh textual references throughout scripture, are probably coming in a far, far... lower spot than um, these social justice issues, uh, helping the poor, the orphan and the widow.
1: So, okay, so you're prompting some questions in my mind about the need for, okay, so I think sometimes we'd say, oh, uh, it sounds like you're wanting us to shift money from foreign missions to domestic missions. Like, if all you, if all you think that we're talking about is shifting the money stateside, you're missing the point. It's not just domestic, it's, it's neighbor missions. It's, it's dealing with those who are close to home, who we actually have, um, an impact on. We can have a personal impact on. And what I would even say there is that it actually doesn't even require a lot of financial resources. Um, God requires our time and our empathy, uh, and our tears that we would actually involve ourselves in these people's lives. It's not, it's not something that you can throw money at.
2: No, that's exactly why I said going on budget. though that is important. Um, I don't want us to neglect that. The bigger thing is, yes, it is emphasis because no one is going to, to give up their time to give of their, their, their mental, uh, um, power or to give their their tears like you said um unless their church is ingraining in them this is a part of being a christian um is that you you think about these things you work towards these things
0: Hmm. yeah there's plenty of scriptural examples about taking care of the elderly men uh taking care of women where uh where necessary and uh orphans uh other uh De- demographic groups. Uh, and the elderly, I want to just take a quick second to, uh, I remember uh, when I was taking a class with Jimmy Allen and Romans, I don't know how he got off on this tangent, but he went off on a tangent about how families should be there for their elderly relatives. And I just moved out of the neighborhood where there was um, a family that dropped off, I guess their elderly mother in a house and left her there and never came back to visit her or anything. And she, her yard has not been mowed in six years. And um, when I was made aware of this, I was already in the process of moving out of that neighborhood. But I'm thinking like as neighbors, we should have been offering to help mow her yard. That's something that she was not able to do. I mean, there's 300 houses in this neighborhood surely we can take turns knocking out the front yard at a minimum. If, if you're worried about how her yard looks, quit complaining and do something about it. This is a perfect opportunity for people to step up into action where it's not, it's not your elderly relative, it's your neighbor. Like y'all were saying, this is something that is in your face, a clear opportunity for you to actually do something and take care of it. And the ball was dropped.
2: I want to echo Stephen as one of my final remarks in this podcast to say yes, that that thing. And if you're watching the video version of this podcast, I'm pointing down at Stephen like the Brady Bunch or something. That is what we need to be uh, <laughs> focusing. That that's a huge thing. That that's not the only thing like we've discussed, but that that's a a thing that we forget about a lot. And I'm really glad you brought that up, Stephen. Um, I, I remember Monty Cox making this point, um, at Harding. Michael, you've probably heard this before. He, uh, I remember him doing this exercise with some students where he, he wrote all these things on the board. It's all these very, just like random things. He says, how, how are these things related? There's like a Barry Bonds' salary one year and there's, uh, uh, retirement homes and, um, but uh, I these are the two sort of extreme things. What are you saying, Michael?
1: Uh, w- one of them was like a cosmetic surgery.
2: Yeah, cosmetic surgeries, yeah. Um, and he went out, all of these things are, uh, they are representative of a culture that thinks this is all that there is, that the here and now is all that there is. And so we care so much about the material. And you, he, he went on to explain how this, this plays out a great deal with with the elderly in retirement homes that um, we care about our time and we um, don't care about the the respect and the relationship with those who came before us with our parents as they get old. We we say, hey, we'll have someone else take care of you, when it is really the the duty of the child to take care of them and to maintain that relationship and to continue to show them love, not pay someone else to show them a uh, a version, a pseudo form of love.
0: Yeah. And that really is just, uh, um, a microcosm of just where we are as a culture where everything, like, you can pick up and move across the country if you wanted to next weekend. And, uh, when families are separated like that, and that is not something that you can do. And that's why businesses are thriving to take care of the elderly, home health, hospice. All that where a family can be involved. Um, not to say that, uh, family can do all sorts of medical professions that are demanded of that. But Mm -hmm. yeah, you need to be there for your family in a close proximity to an extent. Not saying that you need to go move next to your, your elderly parents tomorrow, but, uh, need to make sure that you are keeping that relationship. Like Daniel said, sorry, you're up here on my screen.
1: Oh, um, guys, I, I think, um, whether we meant to or not, we've hit on some important issues. Uh, let's go ahead and do a quick around the horn. What is some, what's a takeaway? What do you think that our listeners should be thinking about this, uh, next week until the next podcast comes? What's their homework assignment? Um, I'll
2: go ahead and say something first. Uh, This isn't a great homework assignment, but I would say the the meat of this episode for me is that uh, social justice matters. Um, You don't have to, though I I sometimes lean left, you don't have to instill into the term um, a lot of the political baggage that comes along with it. Um, we simply have to realize that what's going on in the world and the well-being of those in the world matters, and uh, we, we need to be invested in that, certainly the people who are closest to us, whether that be physical neighbors or our families, and as we've discussed already.
0: Uh, I'll quickly say that unless you've been living under a rock, you are aware that there are racial tensions uh, in the United States uh, and probably uh, stronger or uh, not as strong, depending on what area of the U.S. that you live in. But it does exist. And I would say that most racial tensions don't actually involve skin color, but actually the culture that one individual comes from. That's different from yours. And so I would encourage people to uh, reach out to those that you come in contact with that are from a different cultural background. Get to know that culture, appreciate it for what it is. And if you disagree with things that go on in that culture, you have every right to, but still treat uh, other human being, human beings with decency and respect. That can also be extended to people of the same skin color as you that are just different from how you act. There may be somebody that's a bit of an oddball that you come across and it's a kind of a pain to maintain a relationship with them, but they are a human being, a creation of God, just like you are, and they deserve to have that. Uh, they need relationships just like the rest of us do. So make an effort to reach out to those people that may not have a close group of friends that could use a friend. Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: to introduce one new word right here at the end, uh, share your cultural capital
0: uh,
1: uh, to the extent that you know how the world works. You know how to make the justice system work for you. uh, You know how to make your house look really nice. One of the things we were talking about towards the end, share those things, make sure that you are uh, uh, very free in sharing your knowledge uh, with those who don't know how the system works. Uh, especially if you find yourself isolated from those who are different from you racially, economically, go down the list. Um, if, if you don't have many opportunities because the place where you live separates you from those people, um, make it your mission this week to find someone that needs that help. Um, that's not easy, especially when we've made it our whole world to buy a house in that neighborhood where I don't have to think about those who are uh, on a different economic rung than I am. Um, it's hard to to make those connections and then to share life with those people, but I think that's part of what the church is supposed to do. Um, it's got- Guys, I've I've been challenged by what y'all have said this evening. You've challenged me before. That's what this podcast is for. To our listeners, we hope you were challenged as well. We appreciate you listening to our podcast. If you enjoy these conversations, please uh, like the podcast, subscribe to it, leave a comment. We always appreciate those. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.